0: Hey, welcome back. It is the Tuesday edition as we start a brand new week and a brand new year here on Mobile 92.3 FM at 1190 AM. I'm glad one of the things that we're not changing this year, every Tuesday at this time, we will still visit with our good friend from Real Clear Politics. He is their White House correspondent. It's Philip Wegman. Philip, good afternoon to you, young man. Good afternoon and happy new year. And to you, it's been two weeks since we've talked to each other. Uh, I, I know you've probably been going through withdrawal. Um, but <laughs> um, but um, uh, with everything with your family and everything with your friends, uh, good Christmas, good New Year's?
1: Couldn't ask for anything more. It was great. Got to see uh, my folks, my younger brother, my older brother. Uh, it was fantastic.
0: Now, you, you didn't come back here, so they came to you?
1: Yeah, uh, first time in a long time. They, they made it out to uh, D.C. for the holidays. And I didn't feel too bad because there wasn't any snow here, and I'm told that there wasn't any snow in Indiana. So I yeah. didn't I didn't cheat them out of a white Christmas.
0: No, sir, you absolutely did not. You cheated them out of a slightly drizzly, slightly muddy Christmas, but I think everybody's okay with that. Philip, I was intrigued uh, by your column that I saw, and you can always check Philip's columns. Just go to RealClearPolitics.com. That's RealClearPolitics.com. Click on Authors, and then you roll down to, like— four or five and there's Philip. Click on his name and you will see all of his articles and they're there with the most recent first and then all the others fall in line. Well the most recent one that's there says two minute warning on the road in Iowa with Ron DeSantis. So you were actually there with the Florida governor?
1: That's right. So I had been pushing his team uh, for the better part of a year and a half for an interview and occasionally uh, the way this goes is you'll see a candidate at an event And you grab them for maybe one or two questions or they'll have a press conference. But this was the first time that I had been able to sit down with him uh, since he declared his candidacy. And so uh, before Christmas, uh, it was December 21st, and I just hopped on the the bus with uh, the governor in Cedar Rapids and uh, rode it with him to uh, two or three stops and got a, a pretty good view of the way that he sees the race, of the way that he sees um, the Iowa caucuses going, and um, you know, Pat, I, I think you would be proud of me. I was I was pretty tough on the governor.
0: Good, well, that's good. I've always known you to be pretty fair. I know one time you you asked me some questions and you kind of interviewed me one time, and you were, you were downright mean and ugly. So I get how that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had uh, to get it out of my system.
0: <laughs> yeah, you had to. Uh, you know, and of course, everybody in my audience was applauding you. Um, no, so you're there and you're on the bus with him. And you go to three or four stops with him. So how much, collectively, how much time did you actually have with him? Is it 20 minutes? Is it 40 minutes? It was,
1: I have to look back at my tape. It was probably about 25 or 30 minutes, which is a, a good chunk of time.
0: That's a ton. But,
1: there, but there's so much that you you want to get answered. And uh, in moments like these, you sort of have to separate the wheat from the chaff. And you have to give them an opportunity to use up all of their talking points, because all of us have heard those before. And then you get to the real substance and the real questions uh, of what's going on. And, and for uh, Governor DeSantis, here you have someone who is billed as a you know, conservative juggernaut, as someone who is unimpeachable on policy. Right. Certainly, uh, when he was in Florida, he, he worked uh, overtime to try and get as many conservative reforms into law as possible there, before uh, declaring uh, his campaign for, for the White House, and so my question was more or less, what happened? Uh, what is going on? Uh, you know, do you still think that you can win this thing? And I think we got some some pretty illuminating answers uh, from the governor. Um, you know, on just sort of how everything has, has shaken out. Uh, one thing that I think I, I can report back with the, with confidence is. Uh, he has not given up. You know, the the real clear politics average shows him down uh, by almost 50 points nationally and then uh, at around uh, 30 or so points in the state of Iowa. Uh, But DeSantis, um, you know, in his own way, he is still locked in and he is still putting in the work to try and win this thing.
0: Well, let me ask you, um, because, you know, all these guys can say whatever they want, anything and everything, but as you watch him, and as you experienced him uh, at about a half an hour on the bus ride there in Iowa, d- did you come away with a perception different of him than what you had felt so far from hearing him in a press conference or reading his stuff in the paper as you're sitting there with him? First, first of all, and I don't mean was he cordial like he didn't chew you out or cuss you out or whatever, but was he open to you? Did you, did you get the sense that he really was trying to share with you who he really was?
1: He didn't hide from any of the questions that I asked. Uh, there were a few times where I think he tried to uh, navigate and, and spin away from some, some topics that might have cast uh, him in a harsh light. But for the most part, um, you've got to think about the circumstances here. He's down a lot. It's four days before Christmas. He wouldn't be on the road four days before Christmas in Iowa um, if he was ready to give up. But, you know, I, I wanted to know uh, sort of what is going on. And one of the takeaways that I got is that uh, the governor is trying to sort through what is within his control and what isn't in his control. And on three really big things, um, he he said uh, more or less that it, it was beyond uh, his control. The first was the pandemic. He, he argued that COVID-19, had a bigger effect than the financial crisis and, and the war on terror. And yet he, he seemed frustrated that that has slipped away from the limelight, because again, that's the thing that, that sort of put, took him to prominence. He propelled him he yeah. conservative circus, circles for doing that. Um, and yet he, he complained, uh, not in a woe is me way, but that he was frustrated that he's only gotten one question during the debate, but that was outside of his control. Um, the goings-on with his super PAC. The DeSantis campaign made this big bet that they were going to focus uh, just on you know, the candidate, just on uh, messaging, and that the super PAC was going to be the one that was going to be knocking on doors, putting up advertisements, and doing some of the normal blocking and tackling. Uh, and yet there's been chaos there. It was very um, out of character for someone like DeSantis, who is the, the guy who says that he's going to be a, a competent executive who can get the job done. And so I asked him, you know, what's going on with your super PAC uh, that has been plagued by, you know, leaks and, and uh, resignation. And he was forthright. He said, that's beyond my control because there are, there are different legal uh, parameters. He, he can't talk to the super PAC and they can't quite talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the third thing that was outside of his control was uh, the, the legal troubles against Donald Trump. He was clear-eyed about how uh, these uh, indictments and um, these efforts to keep the former president off the ballot, uh, sort of paradoxically in a Republican primary, end up uh, boosting Donald Trump. Uh, but he said that that was beyond his control. So, um, you know, the, the question here is, what is he going to be able to do next in these, these uh, closing days? These Iowa, the caucuses, they're finally here. And he's pushed so many of his on this state that, that we're going to get a, um, an answer. Was he built for prime tie or was this, uh, you know, all flash? He's not ready to go the distance. Um,
0: when, when you talk to him, you probably never asked him this, but do you feel the reason that he and probably uh, Nikki Haley are still in there and pushing so hard, even though their d- double-digit numbers are far below his, is just in case through the legal wranglings of everything that Trump is going through, he should end up not being able to be the candidate? Do you think they're trying to position themselves? Because I don't see either one of them trying to position themselves to be his vice president. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if for some dumb reason, um, if Trump says, okay, I'm out, that's it, that's it, I'm out, then isn't it basically a Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis campaign?
1: So uh, that's a very interesting question. Uh, I did not put it directly to him in those terms. But when I was talking to him about the effort to keep Trump off of the ballot in Colorado, he, he dismissed it immediately, said that that takes the country down a path that, uh, you know, we shouldn't want to go on. Right. And, and yet um, he said very clearly that Donald Trump is fine with the weaponization of government so long as it's against people that he doesn't like. And DeSantis pointed to this effort by Trump allies uh, to get him kicked out of office in florida so there's no love lost between the two men in terms of whether or not you know he's ready to um you know take on the mantle if trump for for legal reasons uh is ineligible um you know we didn't ask him that question directly but he did argue that what he wants next before an opportunity to take on biden and he he cautioned several times that he thinks that you know if republicans make this a referendum on trump rather than on Biden's failures, that uh, they will lose in the general election. But what he wants before that is a one-on-one with Trump. This is a guy who you know, conservatives believe did everything right, and so he wants to contrast his record with Donald Trump's. And yet, thus far, Trump won't get on a debate stage mm-hmm. uh, to challenge him.
0: Don't you think that by him basically directing this, okay, Donald, I get it, I understand where you're at, let's do this one-on-one? not even at a big stage. Let let's you and I sit down with a desk on either side of a of a stage and moderators, no audience if you want, and it's just you and me and the facts and let's just go at it. You know, I I because I think that would actually throw Trump off kilter if he had to if he had to perform like that.
1: Yeah, th- there was uh, a hope among Trump allies that he could basically glide to the nomination and that he wouldn't have to be on a debate stage and he wouldn't have to defend his record. And during the early days of the primary, um, the conventional wisdom was, well, no, this is going to be a contest. It won't be a coronation. He's going to have to um, scrap with Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis and others. But the legal uh, troubles have sort of created this rally around the flag moment where folks are, are you know, running to the former president's defense And at this point, you know, uh, some of of Trump's closest allies uh, are really forthright about that. They're saying, why would he debate when he's so far uh, ahead of the competition? Why would he um, invite that risk? You know, you, you could say, well, it's for the good of the voters and the good of the country to see where he's coming from. But from a, you know, just pure politics standpoint, they don't want Trump on stage because they don't see um, anything that he could gain from it. You know, is he going to go up another 10, 20 points in the primary uh, primary polling? He's he's already leading these guys by 40 or 50 points in some of these polls.
0: The other people that are there with you in the White House press room and as you hobnob around D.C. and all that, the people that are not, and quite candidly, I don't even know that you are as... um, right-wing and conservative as I am. Um, I don't
1: get invited to any of the parties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I I,
0: I, I do. <laughs> um, now, somebody said to me a couple of Republican dinners ago, if you want to find Pat Miller, uh, just ride up to where Rush Limbaugh was and then turn right, and he's out there somewhere. <laughs> uh, but But in the midst of all that, do you sense, even with people that are in the media, like you, print, Radio, television. Do you get the sense that any of them, even today, take Donald Trump seriously?
1: Um, it's a difficult question because uh, certainly there is a seriousness to the coverage of Trump that was lacking in 2015 and 2016 when you had mainstream reporters who treated him like an oddity who could never come to power. Right. I think that. It has swung from an unseriousness to perhaps, uh, you know, hysteria. Um, the coverage among some has been uh, that he would be the end of democracy in and of itself. And, uh, you know, some reporters and some folks in the media have then allowed that to, to color their coverage. I, I think that you need to you know realize that, uh, you know, while representative government is the uh, exception to the rule in history. And it's something that you have to, you know, guard very jealously. Um, you know, even during, you know, uh, January 6th, when, when things seemed to be coming apart, know, uh, mm-hmm. the, the system held. And certainly, you know, Trump was checked by the judiciary, by Congress, and by, uh, you know, by the press. And he was also able to get a, a lot done. So, I don't know. Um, my thought on this is the strike zone doesn't change regardless of, of who's at the plate. You know, you just call balls and strikes.
0: Do you still consider, and I don't mean this like he's an also-ran, he doesn't count or anything, but do you still consider Ron DeSantis a serious candidate? I don't mean does he have a serious chance of winning, but is he still a serious candidate?
1: Yeah, I, I remember back in twenty. there was a democratic campaign that um, flagged something that would have been a really good scoop on then vice president, Joe Biden. And we were going into South Carolina and I didn't follow up on it because, uh, you know, I said to this rival campaign, Joe Biden has lost in Iowa. He's lost in New Hampshire. You know, this guy's done and over with. And uh, so I didn't write the story. I didn't follow up on the lead. And then what happened? Yep. Um, another like got the story and Joe Biden crushed it in South Carolina and cruised to victory um, on on Super Tuesday. I don't think at this point, you know, even as um, stark as the polling picture has been, I don't think that you can count uh, either Haley or DeSantis out against Trump. We have to see w- what's happening. Um, there might be a dynamic where, uh, you know, some voters uh, just register their anger and frustration when they get on the phone with a pollster and they say that they're voting for Trump and maybe they change their mind on Election Day. Well, we're going to have to see, but pretty soon this isn't going to be speculative anymore. Pretty soon there will be points on the on the board and, and we can uh, you know figure out who's actually going to be challenging Joe Biden in the general election.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, I watched some poll that came out last week and yeah, Trump is here and that one's there, and this one's there, and this one doesn't have a chance. And I looked at it. And they had done the the poll for over four days, and they had a total of just under a thousand respondents. Well, it, you know, and 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 a huge headline about what they had found. In this day and age, I got to tell you, Philip, with as many people as we have that don't have landlines, they don't take poll questions at work. Um, you know, if if ABC tried to find me for a poll, they can't find me. Um, do you think polling matters as much right now as it used to?
1: Uh, well, I work for Real Claire Politics, the most accurate average in uh, <laughs> political polling. When it comes to uh, uh, to politics, we've been much more accurate than some of our competitors, like five thirty eight. And uh, I know that um, you know our polling team works overtime to uh, look at you know what is that poll that was just of um, registered voters versus likely what was a in-person poll, right. um, what, what was, uh, you know, just a push poll to try and get a specific result. Um, you know, I think that maybe, uh, what we're seeing in polling right now, um, perhaps it's, it's slightly inflated, but, uh, you know, there are numerous pollsters who are replicating the same result when it comes to Donald Trump against the Republican primary field. So a lot would have had to gone wrong and catastrophically wrong uh, for for these to be inaccurate pictures.
0: Well, I just thought I'd ask you that question because I feel, I feel like I always have to ask you one question you don't know is coming. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my gift to you. Merry Christmas. Uh, listen, good to have you back. Good to be with you. I look forward to talking to you again next Tuesday. And, of course, as always, if something is on fire inside the Beltway, you call me, Okay.
1: Will do. Thank you,
0: Pat. See you, sir. Have a great day. Uh, That's Philip Wegman from Real Clear Politics. He is their White House correspondent.
1: Podcasts by Federated Media.